Hello, and welcome to the podcast of The Gathering Network. We are a network of microchurches based in Glasgow, Scotland. If you are interested in starting something new or something missional, or even having a go at starting a microchurch, get in touch. We'd love to help you and connect with you. Okay, the gift of the discerning of spirits, which is a really fun one. Um, so this is essentially an introduction to this gift. And it's an introduction because, f- for me anyway, and probably for you guys too, that like, I feel like this gift is, it's opening like a whole new world to us. It's, it's a huge topic with like a bunch of different nuances and different applications and I feel like once you kind of get insight into the gift and how it works, you realize like just how how big it is and and you can see it kind of being used across the whole Bible, like Old and New Testaments. And it's actually like a really fascinating subject. I'm genuinely excited to to chat to you about this tonight. So yeah, it's quite a journey to go on. I'm definitely looking forward to it. All right. So um, just to, again, set up the chat about the gift of discernment of spirits and any gift really is just to remind you that Again, we all know this, it's it's important to be reminded of the truth that these gifts are for all of us as God's children to receive and operate in. And as we've also discussed over the past few weeks, whilst we all have the potential to operate in each gift, we'll probably find that both circumstance and season will dictate which gifts come more naturally to us at particular points in our lives. Um, and I think it's also worth acknowledging again, because this is the, the kind of the unwritten rule that comes with the walking and following of Jesus, as these gifts are really, it's following in his footsteps, you know, um, it takes faith to be activated in each gift. So you've got to believe that God wants to give it to you, you've got to trust that he has, and then you've got to act, you know, we, we spoke a lot about that with the gift of tongues um, two weeks ago. Um, and it takes, again, faithful perseverance to continue to walk and move in these gifts. So if we don't eagerly desire them and eagerly pursue Jesus, the source of all of these gifts, then the chances are we'll forget about them and they'll lie dormant in us. And I've actually had experience of that, I think. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. But I, I also want to stress that, that, like, I don't believe that the gifts ever go away. I think one really important truth about these gifts and about living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit is that God will never disqualify you or take away a gift from you. And I'm I'm getting this from, well, I mean, like most of the Bible, just looking at God's loving character, but also Romans 11, 29 actually specifically says, God's gracious gifts and calling are irrevocable. And that, that speaks into God's loving and forgiving nature. And I think it's something worth remembering as we actually go on this journey of intentionally running after these gifts the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the the big reason is like pursuing the gifts is essentially it's running out onto the battlefield right you're engaging in spiritual battle as you pursue the gifts and that comes with challenges that will no doubt face like the fiery darts of the enemy it says in Ephesians they will attempt to undermine your identity on the journey and distort the identity of our Lord too and why because 
this is what I, I believe anyway. I think the devil is quite happy when believers live safe, comfortable lives. That doesn't trouble him in the least, really. But when we go after these spiritual gifts, when we go on this journey that we're going on as a community and equip ourselves with spiritual weapons and walk as Jesus walked, do what he did, we essentially, yeah, we equip ourselves with these weapons and we're saying that we are going out to decimate the kingdom of darkness and we be essentially become dangerous wild cards to the, the, the devil. Risky to him, not safe anymore, do you know? Um, so that's what I mean about like this, even the pursuit of spiritual gifts in itself is spiritual battle. And it's a good battle to engage in. For though we live in the body, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way, since the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. That's 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4. These gifts, the weapons of warfare, are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. That's the, that's the potential to operating in this empowered, anointed life that Jesus has called us to. And of course, we know Jesus said, I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Again, another assurance and promise of these gifts and operating and walking in them. And then this, we're supposed to do what Jesus did, be his hands and feet. 1 John 3, 8 says, The Son of God, Jesus, was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. It's pretty stark reality, black and white here. The reason for these spiritual gifts is, yes, it blesses us and builds us up, but it is ultimately to see the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven come more and more and catalyze the movement of Jesus against the work of the devil. You know, C.S. Lewis says there's no sitting on the fence as a believer. If you see movement forward in the heavenly realm, then we see push. We, like the, the kingdom of darkness has to recede do you know there's always that spiritual battle and it's just it's where we're meant to be it's where we're called to be on that battlefield it's where we've been designed equipped and anointed with authority to walk boldly onto and to take ground for the name of Jesus so instead of being fearful or timid we should feel like rearing to go do you know ready with the the kind of victory in our hands already and I think operating these in these gifts is simply a realization of that reality. So we, we go out walking together into battle, we stay together in battle, and we walk expectantly in faith as we look for breakthrough in the lives of those we're called to who don't yet know Jesus. That's what this is all about. And actually, particularly tonight, this is why I wanted to kind of set this chat up. The gift of the discernment of spirits is really potent, in my experience, in spiritual warfare. Um, it can be like having your very own Enigma code-breaking machine. And that in just my own life, in the past probably like seven years of um, experiencing this gift, I found it to be a game-changer. Um, and actually, Sean Boltz, if you guys don't know him, he's a Words of Knowledge dude who lives in LA. Um, he likens the impact of this gift that the power it can have is equivalent to years worth of intercessory prayer, he says. Um, and let me let me put it into an example. Um, let me put it this way. So let's take a tangible example, the drum chapel. Our microchurch is going after drum chapel. It's one of our big collective shared 
callings together, you know. We're praying for God's kingdom to come and for breakthrough in Drum Chapel, which happens to be quite a big area with loads of people, loads of different potential tangible needs. And yes, we can use and we should use human knowledge and wisdom. So like news, stats, general knowledge, etc., to help guide our prayers and our intercession and our action there, which is great. Don't get me wrong. That's brilliant. But this is where the, the gift of the discerning of spirits comes in. Imagine if you could see the literal spiritual battle going on in Drum Chapel and then effectively pray against those schemes of the enemy, blessing that place in the opposite spirit to whatever the enemy's doing there. And also you can you can go further. You can apply yourself practically in those areas too. A really good example. And maybe this is something that I, I mean, we, we kind of been talking about this a while, for a while, Drum Chapel. There's a couple of areas that we see. One of the things that I'm feeling most about, and I'm not sure this is true, we need to test it, but maybe the enemy wants to cultivate in the future a widespread addiction to drugs in the teens of Drum Chapel, knowing obviously the potential destructive consequences in the future and the present that that could reap. So if that were the case, and if you could see that, in the spiritual landscape over Drum Chapel, we could put all of our energy into engaging with the teens, setting up safe spaces for them to hang, etc., etc. Do you know, and really combat it in a very focused way that stops that scheme of the enemy. Do you know what I mean? So, like, what I'm trying to explain is that the, the gift of the discernment of spirits can sharpen our call and it can sharpen our mission to the point that we're able to have, like, devastating impact on the schemes of evil. And I can't remember, maybe Brian Sanders said this, like it's very often the, the very schemes that are put in place by the enemy are put there because he's targeting the ones who are closer to discovering Jesus, who are on that path, who are being wooed and, and pursued by Jesus already. So it's almost like a double whammy of kingdom breakthrough if you can get there and break those specific strongholds, you know. Um. So that that's why I find it really exciting, this gift. Is everyone with me? Okay, good. It seems a lonely place sometimes, isn't well, it? <laughs> Alright, let's keep going. Okay, so um let me pray quickly and then I'm gonna go and get like we're getting right stuck into the Bible tonight. I'm gonna fly through a bunch of different passages. But let me pray, yeah. Holy Spirit, again, we just thank you that you don't leave us alone in this world to cope and to survive, but you call us to more. You call us to a higher purpose and you empower us, heal us, set us up, transform us and send us out as victorious children of God in this broken world to bring about your love and redemption, your healing and restoration. And tonight, may you just equip us as a community to take another step in that direction another step in love, another step in transformation for the sake of those people that you love so dearly that are lost to darkness right now, Lord. So Jesus, have your way tonight. In your mighty name, we ask for your blessing, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so these Bible verses, there's probably loads more that the Bible says. I mean, that absolutely is. But they, for me, sum up the truth of the spiritual reality that we find ourselves in. And we're looking at that because I'd like to pose to you that the gift of the discerning of spirits essentially allows you, as the recipient of that gift, to see into the spiritual realms of life. 
So in other words, it's an opening your spiritual eyes to see whatever the Lord allows you to see in the spirit realm. So if we're going to understand the gift of the discerning of spirits, we need to understand what the spirit realm is and what that actually means first. So that's why these verses are really helpful. Whew, big breath. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, 16 to 18 says, But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror and reflecting the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the spirit. Okay, jumping on 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we, don't, we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Of course, famous Ephesians 6.12. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. And the one the kids have been looking at, Hebrews um, this is actually Hebrews 11. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. And Colossians 1, 15 to 16, <laughs> hammer on that through. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. And just a quick side note, the word invisible here in the Greek is arautos, I think. <laughs> Don't quote my my um, accent. <laughs> but essentially, again, it, it feels like we don't have an adequate word in English to explain what they're getting at here. But it means that which is invisible to the naked eye, yet the spiritual reality is perceived through God's inbirthings of faith. If that makes sense. Um, and honestly, I go to... Um, a little side note, another side note, biblehub.com is very helpful. If you ever want to check out like word meanings and the original translation stuff, I'm always there. I'm like, I wonder what they mean by that word or whatever. Check it out. It's really interesting. Okay. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 2 to 4. This is Paul talking. I know a man in Christ, i.e. Paul, who was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man... Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. <laughs> was caught up into paradise. He heard inexpressible words, which a man is not allowed to speak. I actually find that one quite reassuring because it, it shows that even Paul doesn't quite get the spiritual realm. <laughs> He's like, I don't know if I was in a body or out of a body. God knows. He says it twice. He's like, I really don't know. But this happened. <laughs> okay, that's the verses. So hopefully you can see from these few verses that there are a couple of profound truths about reality right now. So number one, a big one. Firstly, material reality is not all there is. In fact, what we can see with our natural eyes is really only a small part of reality. It's not the full picture. We need both to get a more complete picture of the reality that surrounds us. That's what I feel like is the, the first point about the spiritual realm. Point number two, the material, what we can see, world around us, the world that we're used to, the natural world, this, that is temporary. 
but the spiritual world is permanent. So I believe that's where heaven and eternity exist. Point number three, the material world and the spiritual world are intrinsically linked. And they can't, I don't think, be separated. Apart from if God wanted to, you know, he can do anything. So, for example, in the beginning, the start of John was the word. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or when Jesus consistently said the kingdom of God has come near. He's talking about that that redemptive plan to redeem that which he made at the beginning, the natural, what we can see world and called it good. Which through sin and brokenness has been distorted and is still being distorted. But God's plan is to redeem and restore, right? Okay, point number four. One, the spiritual realm and the natural realm, one isn't better than the other. They exist together. They work together. Each informs the other and they are united in God. So I think sometimes we just need to shift our comprehension of reality. You know, like we talk about the swing in the pendulum to get back to kind of um, center. So maybe we need to swing more towards allowing space to see and discern the spiritual reality of life right now. Because we're much more adept at doing, you know, looking at the natural material realm. So, and just kind of opening our eyes, asking the Lord to show us stuff. Okay, right, we're going to do super quick five-minute Discovery Bible Study Groups. So I'm going to give you a verse. I'll put it in the WhatsApp chat so you can see it. Well, in fact, it's 1 John 4, verses 1 to 6, if you want to pick it up. I'm going to put you into groups of three, so small groups. You're going to get five minutes. It's not really a true DBS. It's kind of dbs style you know. Um, what I want you to do is just uh, read out the passage in your group, then speedily pull out the wisdom from it together. Because this really sums up the, the heart of the discerning of spirits gift for me. This is where it's at. So it's 1 John 4, 1 to 6, which says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is coming and he is already in the world now. You are from God, little children. And you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. From this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Right, does anyone want to like share anything? Let's expand the passage a bit together. Uh, my first thought was that um, I thought it would be quite difficult to, um, when it talks about like the spirits either confessing Jesus as Lord or not, like if you don't know how to like lean into the gift of discerning spirits like how how do you know or question that like what practically like you know if you got a sense of like seeing in the spiritual realm or having a feeling of something that's going on like how do you 
practically and maybe others have experience of this but like how do you start to test it like caddy was saying uh, caddy was saying in our group like you've got in this passage gives us authority to ask you know what is going on here and um like yeah. how do you do that like open question <laughs> good question i was just thinking that i feel like sometimes and I, I love mum's faith for it, but sometimes if my mum has like some really great encouragement or it's like a prophetic word, I always feel really cynical when I do want to test it and be like, okay, that's cool. But let's put it on pause because I want to ask a few questions. And so then I think that can put you off testing it because you want to be the faith filled one. And there's this like false dichotomy that there's like the faith glands for the people that just agree with it straight away. Not that my mum necessarily does. But it's more like, I want to question it because then I'll celebrate it way more after. I just need to ask these questions and like reference the prophets or whatever. Mm. It's good thoughts. Yeah. We were talking about a bit about that bit that Rosie was saying as well um, about the biblical examples where the spirits do acknowledge Jesus, but they are demonic. So what does it actually mean? that um that they acknowledge jesus at what does that actually um look like yeah when you're testing it it's a good question i've got a story later on to hopefully which is a good example of that um but yeah i suppose that like the demonic realm know very well who jesus is you know um and these stories are before he was died and was resurrected again do you know which is a game-changing moment for the demonic because that's essentially when they lose, you know. Um, so they they were fine acknowledging who he was when he was here in person, but now that all that's happened, I think it changes the game for them. So if they acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh and died and was resurrected again and wasn't just a story or a myth or a legend, then essentially it's agreeing that they have no authority, that they are doomed, that they've lost the battle, do you know? That makes sense, thank you. No, it's okay. Um, I also think, Rosie, to answer your question a bit, um, I feel like that the this is talking about a person on a personal level, do you know? And I, I also agree with Rosh as well, that you can, you can test the spirits against, or what's been said against your conviction from the Holy Spirit, and also line that up with someone else's conviction from the Holy Spirit and see how do you feel about this? Does this sit with you? Oh, it does. Okay, great. That sits with me and it sits with Jimmy over there as well. So happy days, you know. Um, whereas if it doesn't, you can go and ask someone else and you can pray about it. And yeah. Any yeah I think in a, in a much broader sort of level than kind of specific spirits, like in an individual situation, like, you know, sort of... Um, you know, I, the demonic or, you know, when Jesus, they acknowledge Jesus and Jesus would cast them out. I was thinking maybe some of the isms of this world, like, you know, atheism, consumerism, um, Hinduism, like all of these isms that are out there, that actually when it's talking about kind of, I mean, there's many false prophets in the world and they would come to kind of distract you away from Jesus. And then actually how you can recognize whether the, the spirit behind that, if you will, kind of the ideas behind that are, do the, what is behind that? Does it acknowledge Jesus and the fact that he's come in flesh from God? Yeah. Well, atheism clearly doesn't. So yeah. we clearly know that that isn't from God, you know? 
Hinduism doesn't, for example, or, you know, and so I think I was trying to, th I was thinking much more in that kind of bigger kind of plane, yeah. if you will, or, or level, and actually trying to figure out, well, does this thing that I meet, this concept or this idea that I meet in my everyday life, is there a spirit that, that where's the spirit behind that coming from? And even being able to use that litmus test of does it acknowledge Jesus as um, having come in the flesh from God, you know, that being a litmus test of, well, you know, that's a really good thing to align my life with or, or maybe not so much. That's a great thought, though, John. Yeah, that's really good. Maybe, you know, I've got like a wee bit extra, um, some extra thoughts before we can have more of a discussion. So maybe it'll bring up more points, more questions. Um, if I just share this next wee bit for you and it's more, it's expanding on like, what is a spirit? What's, what's the Bible talking about the discerning of spirits or test the spirits? Like what, what does that refer to? Um, so let me expand on that a bit. I think John's right. Um, exactly what he said is really great. So let's put our finger on what spirits actually are. Um, so I think obviously number one, God's Holy Spirit, God is spirit. The Lord is the spirit. Okay, we know that. And again, an example of this, the story of Pentecost is a perfect example of the gift of the, the discernment of spirits in use when it comes to the Holy Spirit and discerning the Holy Spirit. So do you think when the Holy Spirit descended on them all that it was literal like material earthly fire that sat upon their heads? Or was it actually that someone, if not many or all of them in the room, saw the anointing of God on them in the spiritual fire type way? The Hebrews 12, our God is a consuming fire. So the the fire being spiritual, but yet no, no less real than material fire, but it's still spiritual and it's tangible, the tangible manifestation of the Holy Spirit upon them. And actually, just FYI, I think it's much the same as the fire in the bush when Moses first encountered God's presence as well. A tangible, real, spiritual fire that isn't earthly fire, but it's still fire. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's number one, spirits. God, you can see, we can expect, therefore, with this gift to be able to discern when, where, and even how the Lord is at work in and on people's lives, both believers and pre-believers as well. And maybe even bigger picture, I think. So this is a small example that I've had. I was praying for someone um, and I saw the Lord put a spiritual cloak on this person, a mantle, you could call it, on them um, when I was praying for them. And I could see it. It was heavy. It was rich. It was purple. And it was adorned with gold rim. And it was beautiful. And for me, this was a spiritual sign that they were getting an authority upgrade in the kingdom of heaven, that they were tangibly wearing those robes of the royal priesthood and should expect to see that reality lived out in their lives from that moment on in a very powerful way. Do you know, like if you walk around with a cloak like that on, people are going to notice. So therefore, if that's how you are in the spirit, then that's how you should be in the natural. It should reflect what's going on in the natural realm as well. Okay, that's number one. Number two, what I think it's referencing to is people spirits. So I believe this gift can give us insight into a person's 
spiritual climate or spiritual health, you could say as well. Um, so 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your spirit, your soul and your body be kept sound and blameless for the for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for me, that that's just a really simple verse which sums up how we've been created in God's image, that triune aspect to us. Every person who's been created has it, the, the flesh, the body, the soul, the mind, will, emotions and the spirit. So if we can discern or see a person's spirit, we can often see what is resting on them, for want of a better phrase, be it positive or good or bad, you know. So another story, another example for you to maybe put it into context. A friend of mine um, who is in pioneering initiatives and is a believer, I'd add as well, always had, I just sensed this kind of dark shadow constantly on him, just over his shoulder. And it it became very, very obvious just one time when we were together, a couple, two years ago it was, um, we just, I got more insight we together did during worship and long story short, turned out to be a hereditary curse of masonry, of Freemasons, on his family that had opened the door to the spirit of death coming after him. <laughs> we six-year-old listening. <laughs> She'll be fine. You better sleep tonight, Harry. Interestingly, um, and actually someone saw this in a dream as well, which confirmed what I felt was going on. So we prayed, we broke it off. And honestly, the weeks and months after this couple's life entirely changed. Um in so many, like, innumerable ways, loads of ways. They were blessed so many different ways. Okay, so that's number two, people's spirits. Number three, what we've speak, spoken about already, the demonic demons. And I'd like to add as well that the, the domain of darkness is big, and I feel like God allows us all, if we ask for this gift, to some degree to see different things depending on what he wants us to see so you all know ephesians 6 speaks about the demonic principalities for example i believe some people are given the ability to see that big picture demonic kind of realm that spiritual realm at work in some cases although in, in my own experience i've not met many people who can do that and i was actually just wondering today um, i was wondering whether it's maybe because Traditionally, we've not really positioned ourselves missionally. So maybe we'll see that stuff more if we if we step out more, do you know? Who knows? Um, but the, the way I've seen this happen, the discernment of the demonic, these spirits, is I'd see it's, the gift allows you to see demonic oppression on individuals. Um, loads of examples of Jesus doing this. And it gives you uni unique insight into why they could be suffering. The cause and as well as the answer, which in this case would be a spiritual one, as to why they maybe haven't seen breakthrough or healing before. Um, another story, stories help. Shara and I out in Glasgow um, a couple of years back, we were going around with this ministry that were just engaging with teenagers. And one girl came up to us just by the River Clyde, at the bottom of town. And she said she wanted to... Are you taking Harry away? Okay, thanks. <laughs> take a wee dive off the bridge um in not a good way um and again i could see the spirit of death influencing her and i could see is she gone <laughs> i could see 
like the the monarch had like claws in the back of this girl um and just had a hold on her so we engage i i don't share that because that would freak her out obviously but I, I just say i could see something so we asked jesus to show up we pray i speak to the spirit of death and tell it to leave and the girl's screaming that she can see Jesus and then she just runs off and legs it, comes back and finds us five minutes later, says all the suicidal thoughts have left her. We get to tell her about Jesus. It's kind of mental. Um, another story, um, me and Darren Rusko, um, this must have been six years ago now, we're praying for a guy with a long-standing issue with no sign of breakthrough, despite pursuing like every avenue you could think of. I could see something whispering into his ear in the spirit. And I asked him if he could sense that. He said, yes. I said, do you know what it is? Can I, can I speak to it? Like, so I said, what's your name? It said, my name's Splendor. And it owned him, apparently. It had seven other pals, which was all lies, because I could see it wasn't the main one, and there were actually 12 other demons with it. It, I, I, we basically, they, they argue and they lie. They, you know, it says the the nature of Satan is that he is a liar. And this is, you know, off topic, the demonic and all that. But it speaks into the term of spirits. They, they lie and that they are destructive by nature. So the very name Splendor was the fact, you know, like um, masquerading as an angel of light or whatever. Um, and so we got onto the, do you know Jesus? Yeah, we know Jesus. We know the stories of Jesus. Do you know that he came in the flesh? No, he didn't. It's all a lie. Do you know that he died and was resurrected again? And he now sits at the right-hand side of God in heaven. And they're like, no, he doesn't. And it was just that that classic kind of, um, they could not admit that Jesus had done that because it's admitting defeat. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, sorry, getting off topic. Uh, the last one. Can I ask, Adam? Sorry yes. to interrupt Yeah, yeah, you. go. Please interrupt. So when you're praying for that person and you're seeing that stuff in the spirit, yeah. And you're having that conversation. Yeah. How does that, like, what is that? Is that you, as you're praying for them, the person is communicating that stuff to you or you are, ha- are able to see and speak in the spirit, like, as in you can see it and hear it as you're praying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I do know what you mean. Um, It's always through the person. That's how I found it anyway. So either they will talk, like, through the mouth or they will tell you what they're hearing in the head and tell you what it is. Do you know? Okay. Sorry, I don't want to take you off topic. I just no, was no, wondering what you, what you No, it's a good question. Yeah, hopefully that makes sense. I could see them like all linking arms around him, kind of hanging onto his body and like little gremlins. It was yeah, it was not nice. Um but just with lies all over them, lying about their the very names, their identities, you know, calling themselves like Splendor. It's kind of mad. Um Okay, yeah, the the last spirits we can discern, angels. Um, and we know angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation. So they're, they're sent out on assignments, angels. And the verse spells it out. You, with this gift, you can gain access and see into the assignments of specific angels too. Um couple of cool examples in the bible elisha you know when he the the king of um aram sorry that's it is pursuing him wants to catch him because he just knows he gets all these words of knowledge about 
what the king's plans and directs the Israel army this way and that and um and they get really annoyed so they want to catch him they send the whole army to the city that he's in and his servants freaking out and he's like don't worry we've got well more people and the servants like well, it's just me and you and then he's like lord open his eyes sees on the hilltop totally covered with fiery warrior angels in the chariots you know and it's a cool story okay so that's in um where is that two kings something okay another good example is daniel when he has a chat with casual chat with an archangel michael um when he sees the angel his pals don't so it shows you like two different kind of people who do and don't have it really interesting although they still sense the presence and end up collapsing personal stories um so when harry was born in our bathroom we were like having a chat i can't remember when it was it's all a bit of a blur maybe it's in the ambulance or maybe in the room no it's probably in the room when we got to hospital and i think Shaw was like did you see all the angels and we just remember chatting about just being totally surrounded by angels as he gave birth to that wee little monkey um yeah they were massive we were in a tenement bathroom which have like have huge ceilings obviously and these angels that were there when you were born they went all the way from the floor right up to the ceiling and they were golden and they were standing like shoulder like they were all like tucked into this tiny bathroom it was incredible just surrounding us yeah because yeah. <laughs> it's a miracle that well you guys are all okay yeah uh, another kind of crazy story. Um, I mean, you guys probably think I'm crazy now, by now anyway. But um, I kept seeing <laughs> angels on street corners. Kind of, it felt like they were following me. And like every time I went out early in the morning walking the dog, there'd be like one over there and one over there, one behind me. And I was like, what's going on? And they looked a bit serious. They looked like, I can only describe like ninja angels. That's how I saw them anyway. Um so I was like, okay, I'm just going to like try and talk to them or am I going nuts? So like there was one at the corner. I was like, excuse me, why are you following me? <laughs> and he was like, you're our assignment. And that was it. He didn't say anything else. And I was like, okay. I kind of like heard him, but heard him in my head. I think it's kind of hard to explain if that makes sense. Um, didn't have much chat aside from that, but they obviously did their job because I can't remember anything bad happening at that point, thankfully. Um, I think that's that sums up everything for me. Um, do we have any more? And Adam, uh, yes. On that, um, did um, encounters with those angels lead you in prayer in any sense? I was confused, to be honest. I didn't know why they were there. I think it was actually some... I probably reckon it was mum interceding for me or someone else's prayer assignment that they were that sent to protect me for some, from something that didn't happen because they were protecting me. Does that make sense? Can I ask just plain like what do they look like? Are they is it like is it like it, does it look like a blocked? I don't know. Yeah, like what what does it look like? <laughs> is it is it the way we? Do you think that all angels look different to the per, like to because of the person? And or do you know because we've obviously got this image of what an angel looks like by what we've been shown on cartoons and and things like that, and I wonder how much that influences our thoughts on these kinds of things and how if they falsely influence these kinds of 
images yeah. and like how you knew like how how if it therefore it isn't one of those floating white things with wings <laughs> then how on earth do you know it's an actual angel kind of thing there's a good question duncan yeah i mean tashar's um description was interesting they felt like really big important angels these guys were like really tall i can never make out their faces yeah. but they just were very imposing and holy I, you know you can just like sense the presence of holiness and like heaven being near it felt like that like tingly and like oh, a bit kind of overwhelming at the same time but i think it's more about that combined with the fact that i knew they weren't there in real in not real life in material world you know they were there in the spirit so i just remember this other really cool thing that happened when we were living in the west end um i was walking or driving down Dumbarton Road and I saw these really massive kind of like army angels like kind of walking down the road definitely in my spiritual eyes but they were big like big angels um like intimidating but also you know like if you I don't know like I don't want to say if you see the police but <laughs> you know something like that you know they're there to enforce order and stuff so anyway I forgot all about it and then I was driving down there and this guy um, had a really bad crash with a car and he flew miles in the air and it was horrific it was absolutely horrible a guy, and bike. A guy in a bike yeah. walked away from that same area without a scrape like it was crazy so I've forgotten about that angel story sorry yeah. Adam no no it's fine he was like way up in the sky yeah, yeah, remember that. It flew was off cool. his bike no helmet or anything and just landed on his feet and walked off it was yeah. so weird it was and everyone's just like <laughs> 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 is that funny Abby? these are unbelievable i mean they're believable it's so amazing <laughs> i guess one more testimony um of angels so when we lived in Pakistan, Elijah was, uh, how old was he when he fell? He was two. He was, yeah, so Elijah was about two years old and we're up in the mountains kind of for like a team weekend away. Um, and basically Elijah kind of fell from a really high wall, about three meters. Um, and we didn't see it happen, but um, the lady who did said that basically just as he was about to hit me impact with the ground, she saw angels almost like catch him and cushion him as he landed. Um, yeah, and there's a whole story of how kind of God just totally miraculously was with Elijah in that accident, but she saw angels uh, at that first intervention. Wow, that's nuts. We need to hear <laughs> that story sometime. I've got a, a short story uh, about angels that supported me during a difficult time when I lived in the other house. And it was like as though um, a situation occurred that was very negative and very, very evil in my mind. And it was out to sort of trip me up and get me sort of in trouble. And I remember um, I had stairs in the centre of the house that went round and up. I used to come, and the problem was at work. And I used to come home from work. And when I opened the door to the house, I used to see a gold flash like something moved quickly and up the stairs. And it was beautiful. It was like a gleam, a glow, it was gorgeous. And I felt that that was like an angel protection over me because in order for me to find peace in the home, then I could cope with what was going on out of the home at work. So it was on, I was in 
the assignment. And I remember, uh, no fear, it was just something very peaceful and beautiful, but I felt very secure and loved and helped at that time. And through that situation, which lasted about two years, it was quite a hard time. Uh, I used to shout up to God, help me, Lord, you know, keep me, you know, keep my integrity, keep me focused on you. And I always used to see a flash. So I didn't actually see a figurine or a shape. I just saw a golden flash. And I came through that situation uh, well. So, you know, thanks to God. But I really felt it was angelic provision and assignment to give me that strength and support. That's cool. There's a, I'll send the recording out. John Paul Jackson, he's dead now, but he used to teach on all supernatural stuff, he's an American dude. He came over to England a while back and he was teaching about some, I think he was teaching about just the supernatural or whatever. He's talking about the father of lights and how angels are um, inherently just like beings of light that surround God. And you can hear on, it's an audio recording, but you hear the audience just like, woo, woo. And there's like, apparently all these lights just start appearing in worship. And then in while he's chatting, totally take the like focus away from the room. Cause everyone's just like screaming and cheering. And there's all these big, like flashy, angelic, like you said, mum, gold flashes, like dancing around the room, all around these guys is funny and it feels more legit to me because it was like in this middle class suburban church in england and not like some big mega church in america i don't know anyone else got any thoughts questions stories when you say you see them what like what is that are you actually seeing them as though they're there or is it more like when you're praying and you get like a picture but it's like it's just in your brain i don't know it's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. So I think there's biblical precedent to see angels with our natural eyes. Mary's a great example, you know. Um, as far as we know, the way I describe myself having seen them is it's kind of like dreaming with your eyes open or in your imagination, yet you see them there. I, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. Mm. You see them. They're real. They're there. The spiritual world is real, but it's not the material world. So you're natural eyes don't see them but your spiritual eyes do but aren't they the kind of the same thing anyway i don't do you know like people see like <laughs> i was i was I in the spirit was i was my body there i don't know <laughs> sorry ali people see the demonic as well like nightmares or sort of thing but they wake up and like that's it's um, i mean uh, that's maybe more common in the world that people see that so I imagine it's much the same i don't know if anyone's had experience of that but you yeah. see it with your own eyes kind of so yeah there's technically well well um 50 less demons than there are angels that's what the bible oh, two-thirds more angels right so they should yeah. see well more angels than demons which is reassuring yeah. <laughs> well to answer your question beth i i did see gold and sometimes silver movement of light it was like someone had shone a torch round like someone had you know here's a candle it's like someone had done that and you actually saw it. It's probably Thank a bit you. of both. Yeah. Could I, sorry, I know it's nine o'clock and I want to move on. Could I um, ask, do you think this gift of discerning spirits, do you think people can have specific angelic and not um, perhaps not have the gift of seeing demons or do you think they come hand in hand? Like you have, if you see angels, you're going to, you like, you have the gift of seeing demons as well or like, or vice versa or 
No, I think it's unique. I think every it it manifests differently in every person. Do you know? Um, I, I really interestingly, we're pretty sure that Ari, when she was wee, maybe you still do now, Ari, but saw angels all the time because she'd always laugh and point at a corner in their room, the same corner every time. And I was like, I'm sure there's an angel up there. Um, but I'm pretty sure God wouldn't, or maybe sometimes babies would see the demonic as well. If it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of up to God, isn't it? Really. What he chooses yeah. to show us. There's a lot of mystery there. Okay, as all the gifts, d- eagerly pursue them, desire them. So who who wants that gift of the discerning of spirits? Who wants to go on that journey? Okay, let's hold our hands out. Just going to ask God to release it over you all. Yeah, in Jesus' name, I bless you with the release of the gift of the, the discerning of spirits. I pray for a anointing and blessing over your eyes that your spiritual eyes will be opened, like in that verse in 2 Corinthians, the veil will be removed, that you will see clearly the things that God allows you to see. And I pray for an increase in faith to be able to discern those things. I pray for a, just a, any skepticism or doubt to, to be lowered, to go and to reduce in Jesus' name as you go on this journey. And Lord, we submit to you and ask you to, to teach us, to reveal to us, and to use us and to bless us and our community with this gift in Jesus' name. Amen.